James, this week I found myself doing something, well, something a little odd, something I didn't approve of in myself. And so I wanted to talk it through with you. I, instead of forking and contributing to an open source repository, I just kind of copied their source code, pasted it into my own project and just modified it because I needed changes and I needed to move on with my life. And I got the job done, but I was a bad open source contributor. Blasphemy. You You know that you're supposed to obviously (laughs) fork the repo. You're supposed to then make the modifications, make an issue, then send, (sighs) do UI tests, do unit Uh tests, and then probably send down a pull request, justify Uh why you're making these changes and pray that someone pulls it in. Oh, Oh my God. Yeah. So it's all of that. All of that went through my head, and I said, nope, going to hit Command-C, <laughs> going to do File New, Command-V, and just plop it in there and not contribute back. Um, I, I don't know. Where, where do we even begin with this? Do you want to well, know the details? Be- <laughs> the question becomes, was it, a, was it a bug? Was it a change? Did you put in a feature? Because uh, yeah. I, I create a lot of libraries, right? And, mm-hmm. and I, I've always said to people, I go, hey, you can always fork it, make it your own, do whatever <laughs> you want. Uh, or, you know, you should contribute back if it's a feature that everyone wants or it's a bug fix. So was it a bug fix or was it a feature? It, it was features. Uh, okay. So there was already a library out there. I'll cut to the chase. I was using Skia Sharp. We were talking about Skia Sharp. And I've been really enjoying it. Except I wasn't too happy with the uh, view that they give us. So I wanted a more sophisticated one. Okay. Um, yeah. So I wanted more features in the end, basically, out of this view. And what I ended up doing is, like I said, I copied their implementation, pasted it into my own source files, and just changed it to how I wanted it. And um, I guess the reason I didn't fork it was I just didn't ever believe that they were going to accept these changes. Mm. Well, did you ever think of, we talked about in the past, like, so when you see an open source project, did you think about making it, forking it, and then making it your own sub-module of your fork, and then making changes to your fork and then kind of making that your own little branch or no? Yeah, I considered this. Uh, this is totally possible. And honestly, the only reason I didn't do this is because I'm lazy, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, the problem with forks is uh, you have to update them and you have to remember to update them. And then you have to deal with the merge conflicts when your update conflicts with what's been going <laughs> on behind your back without your knowing yeah so i find the moment i fork something it's dead (laughs) but now that we're talking about this out loud well the moment you copy and paste something it's dead too (laughs) well you then own it right because it's inside of your app so i guess you it's going to be really hard so the what are the drawbacks of copy and paste Mm -hmm. off the top of my head i'm thinking well there's some big there's some big benefits right because you've just saved a bunch of time most likely um, just to bring in whatever the the code is that you need. Um, there is the added benefit that um, you maybe aren't pulling in a NuGet package and like you don't have mm-hmm. to have yet another assembly. The downsides in my mind are the maintainability, right? If, if someone makes a change to the library, you got to manually diff the code or maybe you don't even care. So maybe it doesn't matter. It won't happen. Yeah, I don't even think it'll... That downside is I think you lose all traction of the main repo, right? I think once you sever the link... Yeah, it's gone. It's not happening. It's gone. I want to throw in another uh, pro, though. It's not just... 
not adding another U- NuGet. It's not adding another submodule to your repo. It's not adding another project to your solution. More references, more configurations and solution mappings, and keeping assemblies, you know, at the right versions and all that stuff. Right? Like project management. I don't know if I'm just a wimp or something, but I hate complex solutions. I just, they kill me. Like I deal with a couple of them and I, I just die a little every time I have to. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess the, the biggest drawback for me when I think of doing something like you did with, and I've done this, so I'm going to, I'm going to tell a little story. Hmm. Uh, So uh, when I was developing meetup manager, I found this amazing library to do OAuth two specifically called Xamarin Auth. I think a lot of listeners may have used it in the past. It's an open source cross-platform OAuth library. And it was originally did like built in Facebook and Twitter and 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 Google, but those have moved on, you know, to doing native auth. But it was always really good at just I have a generic OAuth two that I need to log in with or OAuth one and I will pass you that information and go. Now Here's the problem often with OAuth pages that you don't control, such as meetup.coms, is that they often want you to go to certain URLs on certain devices or pass in certain things into the um, headers, you know, different keys. Uh, And I ran into this issue specifically on iOS because iOS doesn't want you to have a login page that you can sign up and pay money on. So they they made a special iOS screen for developers via to pass in a token. So I took Xamarin Auth and I was going to fork it and I said, mm-hmm. eh, that seems like a lot of work. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I w- download master <laughs> and just bring it in, right? Because now all my source code is there, right? Yeah. And then just add it in. So I didn't quite copy paste, but I literally copy pasted the entire repo into mine with no traceability. Now, yeah. <laughs> the downside to this was that as Xamarin Auth updated, I had no idea what was going on, but it did sure. work. So it was kind of like in a year, I'll worry about this from a year and in, in, in a year from sure. now. That was my idea. You know, know, if I find a bug, then I'll worry about it. Then I'll, you know, try to remember what repo that software came from and (laughs) go look through their issues or something. Yeah. You know, the more we talk about, the more I'm realizing I actually do this constantly, you know, like even like gists and Stack Overflow, if you count those, right? Oh, yeah. At least you can't, you can't fork Stack Overflow yet. (laughs) I was, I was, I was telling someone recently, they're like, oh, I need to, I need this, this little tiny piece of functionality in a plugin. I go, well, then don't install the plugin, just install that function, like pull that source code. Code into your app and write an interface like it's already there don't if you're only if you're using a plugin you're only using one little method of it it might be better for you to control it or if you're in some weird edge case that you may not get the pull request in or get it timely you know because that's the thing is not only do you have to send the pull request it has to get approved and then a new get has yeah. to be generated and and people have lives i'm in you know mexico right now so my i'm a little bit slower to update my plugins but i will say go back to my xamarin auth story that the next time i wanted to use Xamarin mm-hmm. Auth, and I was like, oh, do, which one do I use? Then I do, right. then, I do then I copy and paste <laughs> that Xamarin Auth into Uh-oh. it. <laughs> yeah, then I run into yeah. that issue. So I think you just nailed the biggest con here is uh, the virally propagating copy and paste, and that is exactly what Git is supposed to get us away from. You know, we're we're supposed to be sharing code better than that. And so, yeah, I think you just uh, scared me a little bit there because up to this point, I felt like we were giving all pros. Like copy paste sounds like the right way to go to me. Um, but yeah, okay, that that's scary. I didn't think now, about I- that one. I, Don't propagate it, people. <laughs> when, when I think about it, I think in my mind, when I think about 
should I do a fork or should I do a copy and should I contribute to this repo? Everyone should always be contributing, yes, or at least post the idea or the feature and and let let them figure it out. Do I have to? I have to post Um, an issue then. At least an issue? What am I posting? You don't have to do anything. Like, honestly... Okay, but what's the next step beyond nothing? (laughs) All right, so... If it, it here's what I say with open source and in 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 the position that you're at I would say this if you believe that a feature or a bug or an edge case will impact a bunch of people and they really want it post an issue and let people know like I have a I have this long standing issue that's really hard for me to implement <laughs> of multi document picking or whatever mm. and I I leave it there Uh, Someone else opened it and there's a lot of thumbs up and people at plus one, plus one, which is annoying, but it also reminds me every time that this is an important feature that people want. Yeah. But in the meantime, the question is, are you going to implement it if they don't do it? So you can submit the idea. And if you think that they'll want it, then do it, submit the PR. And if in that instance, guess what? If they don't accept your PR, you've already done the source code, right? You already have it. It's your thing. (laughs) Now, if this is a feature that you believe no one besides yourself is going to use, or you want to take a library and you like it, and you want to just remix it a bunch because you're like, ah, I'm going to just re, I like this geolocation, <laughs> but I'm going to just delete a bunch of code. Yeah. Then probably what you want to do is fork it and make your own private NuGet feed. And this is really important. I want I really want to make this mm. distinction because I often like Xamarin Auth, I could have made my own Xamarin Auth version of James's Xamarin Auth. But what I would not want to do is then publish that Xamarin Auth.extended, right, to NuGet because that's, I don't know. To me, that's a little bit like mean and weird where that's not my position to like clone somebody's and try to make it better and then redo it. Cause it's not mine, right? I mean, yeah. you should, you should try to work with them for that or make it private, make a private MyGit or at Vayer has its own feed, you know, that you can just ingest that into your own app because it's for you, right? It's for you. And that's what I think is important here. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I actually want to go down the side topics, but I, I, you, you answered a major question there is how does James feel about posting public nougats of forks? And I think I he just it. came down and said, no way. <laughs> I am so, I'm 100% against it. And I, and it really, <laughs> it, um, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I apologize to, to this. Um, it's it angers topic. me. I see it. It angers me. It, it frustrates me. Cause I think I feel as though it's like I've done all of this work and people have collaborated and done all this work and then you're just going to mm-hmm. take it and then and clone it. Yeah. Um, it's like a clone of an app or it's a clone of anything. It's like you've put your heart and soul into this and um, you've, you know, it's just abandoned. Where the proper thing to do is to say, and people may argue, well, what if that that package is abandoned, right? It hasn't been updated in four years. Well, you should then do your due diligence to try to work with that creator, try to do the PRs, try to get it off its feet again. Um, then if that's the case, if you've like done your due diligence, you can't do anything. All right, then do it, right? But name it something yeah. new, something different that's, you know, right. you know not, don't a- use the icon, you know. <laughs> I was about <laughs> to least. give that suggestion. Um, yeah, I think the moment you release a public nougat immediately, if it has any popularity, you see clones of it start to pop up. This has happened with pretty much all my libraries. So I'm basically at the level where I just don't care. Um, you can't because it's uncontrollable and... Yeah, it's just uncontrollable. But I was trying to think of what is the right way to do that. And I think you hit hit the nail on the head there. It's all in the name. Um, mm-hmm. So you just have to give it not 
old package name dot extended, but you just have to come up with a new name and almost preferably maybe perhaps change namespaces, but maybe, you know, like if you want to stay backwards compatible, don't do that. But at least your package name, you got to give it a distinct name and don't give it, yeah, don't give it extended or pro or 2.0 or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. Just, yeah, call it baby fish or something, you know, just something completely esoteric to just completely distinguish it. Do you remember the old uh, common uh, markdown and common mark uh, war that happened? No, mark, no, no, what is this? Oh, you know, Markdown was invented by uh, John Gruber, you know? Yeah, I'm Mr. Gruber. Fan of John Gruber. Yeah, Mr. Gruber. That's right. Fan of the show, friend of the show, friend of the show, Mr. Gruber. <laughs> well, some people weren't happy with how he was maintaining the standard for Markdown, so they invented this thing called Markdown. <laughs> 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 and they said, this is the new standard for Markdown. And Gruber's like, you can't do that. Like, no matter what you believe of my maintenance of this project is, you can't release something that's not my project and give it the same name yeah and so there was a big mia copa there after a long time it took a lot of people to understand that problem so finally they renamed it common mark and it's actually a library you can get so it's it's basically um this just uh more standardized version of markdown but they finally did the right thing and came up with a new name that's pretty good yeah it's, that's a good way to, like i think of I, I often watch scott hanselman talk about net being open source. And this is a great example. He kind of calls it, we may have mentioned this on the show before, but he kind of calls it the like temperature of meat. Like, you know, when you go to a steakhouse, <laughs> okay. do you want it well done, medium, rare? Like, you know, <laughs> essentially when you think of this as an official package, this is stable, right? This is stable. Uh, this is from Microsoft. This is the well done roasted package. <laughs> then you have the, yeah. the pre-release nougat and you're kind of moving down. And then you have the, I'm building it from source, ingesting it myself, or then I'm ingesting, you know, system.ben and then just bringing in whatever, right? And um, <laughs> whatever, you know, you know, proclarums.net and it's like, you yeah. know, whatever, <laughs> whatever Frank wants.net to become, right? And uh, so I think you kind of go through those levels. And so that that's what becomes the thing. I think the problem becomes in the naming. And I think I go back to the naming because when you go into NuGet, I could blame it on NuGet a little bit, but when you type in, you type in and you're looking for a NuGet, if there's five of them and they all have the same name, that becomes very hard to distinguish, especially if you go and try to squat a name. For instance, mm -hmm. a lot the frustration comes from me is I originally named my packages. I didn't name anything Xamarin. I don't like to use like a Microsoft or system or Xamarin, right? Yeah. In my name. So I yeah. did xam.plugin.connectivity, for instance. And then you can't change your NuGet name. Like you can't just change it. You'd have to create a new NuGet and then point it to the old NuGet to install. It's quite annoying. Hmm. Um, but people will then squat those names, right? They're like, oh, I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. do plug. Because I used to, then all my new plugins are plugin dot, right? Just plugin dot whatever. And then people would squat. They would really take my package and then rename it. You know what I mean? So I think mm -hmm. that is the a little <laughs> bit of the confusion in it. But uh, sorry, this is it's a very sensitive topic, as you can see. No, I, I am actually really enjoying this topic. Um, oh, just because, uh, well, Nougat's full of this stuff, right? When I'm bored, I just kind of troll through it. And I just search for the most random word and just see what shows up and see what people play off of and things like that. I, I mean, this is the problem with anything. It's, it's a problem with the App Store. It's the problem with Nougat. It's a problem with NPM. It's the problem with just searching for stuff in Google. 
well, to be honest, right? Well, it's open source. We're supposed to be remixing all the time. So one part of me says we can't hate it. It just has to happen. So, But getting back to the topic of copy-paste versus forking, I feel like we're kind of on the side of once I've copy-pasted once, it's fine, right? But mm-hmm. the moment I do it a second time, now you're saying I need I need to actually create a proper fork and put a nougat up there just to stop the madness. Is that now the idea? This, this is where it becomes really interesting. I, uh, I listened to uh, Under the Radar with Marco, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Marco Arment and um, David Smith. And yep. Link to that's great podcast, and they actually talked. They talked about not the scenario that you're talking about, but actually sharing code between iOS applications. And uh, uh, Marco was talking yeah. about how he he would copy his libraries around, right? So imagine uh-huh. now that you copy and paste something else, and then you copy and paste that, and you copy and paste that. Uh, now I think yeah. you have a you have a pro here. The pro is is that you've copy and pasted that library to make it specifically for that application, which means that in another application, you can change it completely and it won't impact Mm -hmm. application one benefit. The downside is that you're now maintaining 18 (laughs) different of the same ish things. So what is the right thing to do? This is is a conundrum. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the right thing to do. The right thing to do is you do have to create a separate project with that code in it and use submodules. It's terrible, but you do have to do it. I, I went down this exact same path, but first I want to take an interlude. I've been reading this book, um, uh, Game Programming Black Book about Wolfenstein 3D's engine. Mm. And it's like a annotated book on the source code of Wolfenstein 3D. And it's really awesome. So if you're into old school gaming and old school programming, definitely pick up this book. But the very first thing I noticed was id Software, the people who wrote Wolfenstein, had their shared code. And what did they do? For each game, they copy and pasted it into each new project. Mm. So this is a time-tested way to write software, people. You know, I I think I feel guilty about it because we all know the downsides, but at least it does have a good heritage. Going, I mean, if Carmack did it, it, it has to be okay, right? I, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> It's hard to say. I mean, <laughs> it it kind of makes a, a little bit of sense. But let me tell you that when it wouldn't wait will make a lot of sense is when you use a tried and true nougat package, an amazing library from our good friend Syncfusion. Frank, you know Syncfusion. Oh yeah. Did you Ooh, see that I transition love that right segue. there? That was good segue. <laughs> now, if you don't know Syncfusion, Syncfusion amazing. I've been using their products for years, almost 10 years at this point. And they honestly serve up the largest set of tools for any single platform in the market. All of their components, which I'm talking about, are like charts, graphs, reporting, dashboards, PDF viewing, Word document viewing, all of this stuff. They build and design them to be the best possible performance and work beautifully and natively across every single platform. They have over 850 components and enterprise products, including like big data, the reporting dashboards, all that good stuff. And guess what? They have a free community license that you can bring into your applications, which is astonishing. And after that, if you're a huge organization making over a million dollars a year, well, they have a flat fee license for your application to use all of the products, not just a single one for all of their products. It's amazing. They have these things called Essential Studios. They have one for Xamarin, for Xamarin Forms, for iOS, for Android, for WPF, for ASP.NET, and for everything. You can learn about all of their amazing products by going to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. That's syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. So thanks, Syncfusion, for sponsoring this episode of 
merge conflict, which I love, which now Frank and I are in a huge debate because I'm a never like really fork if I could sync fusion because it's so big, it's so crazy. But I think <laughs> like that I wouldn't want to maintain ever again, right? But I think no. if you have a small, and I think maybe it comes down to the size of it because I can see the game engine once you had game engine V1 done, but that's a little bit harder, I guess. But I think of, if I just have a GIST, right? I think I'm okay with mm-hmm. copying and pasting that GIST over and over and over again into yeah. all my apps if I yeah. needed to because it's specific. But if it's a really big library, I don't know. I think I just kind of want to. I kind of want to not ever do that. Maybe I'm wrong. It's so spent so much maintenance. I, I'm all over the place. Um, I I had this one source file that I would copy between every project. It was a way that I could deal with auto layout more easily on iOS because yeah. auto layout is so terrible. But this library made it at least tolerable to use, and so I just copy and pasted it between every app. But I was actually getting kind of tired of that because I was changing it slightly each time, improving mm. it here and there, and you know, God knows which version was u- being used anywhere. So I actually took the time to create that single code file NuGet package and made it public because I just wanted to have like one source of truth for this one stupid file I kept moving around. Now. That file actually did used to be a part of this other library I maintain, this big bucket of code that, you know, would I, I would just carry around between apps. There was just a bunch of utility classes, basically. But that library is just so random and so poorly designed and all that that I don't want to release it as a nougat. I don't want to make it public or anything like that. Uh, so I feel... Uh, a little sad there that I can't share like each one of those because the idea of like making a separate nougat for every class in that library just sounds terrible to me. Yeah, but it really does. I don't know where else, what else to do. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's it really comes down between a maintenance and do you want to set a C, set up a CI cycle? Do you want to set up, because that's the thing is you've already exactly. done it for maybe your apps. It is a it is a conundrum. And it's like eight steps you have to take to get a project properly set up, get its GitHub set up, get its readme going, get the NuGet packages, get the CI working for it, whatever, four or five things. But they're all kind of a big deal. It yeah, takes which a day, kinda, basically, which, to get a which package Which kind of makes at least the submodule a little bit better. Because, okay, yeah. so the nice thing with the, here's the nice thing with the submodule. And I think I've learned this building the live player with you, is that your submodule that you create, um, can point specifically at a commit, correct? That's correct. Uh, Am I wrong? Yeah, and ex- yeah, exactly. And that's how they work. You point at an exact commit. That means no matter what else happens in that repo, um, you're safe. You are version locked to that number. It's as good as doing copy-paste without modifications. Yeah, so that means that you could almost create branches and then if you needed to make a mo- one weird modification for a one-off you could then fork or create a branch right. and then point at that commit that you make in the well, change right yeah the pro move would be to first create a fork from the main project mm-hmm. and then create a branch from that assuming you don't control the main project or you just want to have good hygiene <laughs> of yeah. always having um forks first and then a branch off of that the branch being just that you don't want to mix up your change with anything else that's happening on there you don't want to commit to master we've talked about that before when submitting fixes to other people's projects so but and the nice thing is um the sub module can point exactly at that but going back to the beginning of this story it's so much easier to hit command a command c (laughs) (laughs) command v (laughs) Well, so the nice thing maybe I'm thinking in a scenario here where you want to get something off the ground run. This is what I probably tell a lot of my my plugin users as well, which is 
you know, it's all open source. You can take it, you can do whatever you want with it. You can pull the code in yourself. Mm-hmm. And my recommendation is, and how I kind of do some projects is I say, okay, I'm going to fork it. I'm just going to use it as, I'm going to use my fork. I'm going to use it as my sub module and I'm going to get it to a real good place and maybe use it for six months, maybe three months. Who knows how long? Maybe it takes me a mm-hmm. year and maybe I, I use it in five projects and I never commit back. But then when I have some di- downtime, I take a look at the original project, maybe then yeah. then submit the PR, right? Because you don't have to do it. <laughs> you don't have to be actively working. You need to get something done today. You don't need to get something mm-hmm. down five days from now. So you should never try to make a, a hard, a hard um, uh, dependency in your application that you're like, I need to ship it right now. But what if James goes on vacation for a week? Oh my goodness, what happens? Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's what you're kind of concerned with. I need to get something done today, not necessarily tomorrow. Man, that's a tricky one. It's so charged. Speaking yeah. of being all over the place, as you're as you were speaking, I was just realizing that I do this with my own open source projects. I have branches of my own open source projects that I don't think anyone else would understand, but they're mm-hmm. just these like small critical changes, maybe like even a sweeping change to the architecture where I just needed it to work a little bit differently. And so I have a branch that I can point to and and do all those things but like it's my own open source project and this branch has diverged for over a year because i don't know how to integrate it back in you know like yeah merging things is hard people right i mean we have a whole podcast named it (laughs) so (laughs) it is tricky yeah I'm running into the same problem with this uh, Skia change I made. So I, I changed fundamentally how their canvas works. And for me, it's a great change because now it works how I want it to work. But it's a major um, regression for them. It would not work for other people who just took their code. So they, you know, even if I was being good and pushed the project back up, we would have to create a separate class or something just because it breaks functionality. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't uh, know what the right thing to do world. is. I think it comes down to one or two. It comes down to the the questions is, yeah, how many apps are you going to use it in? How big is this mm-hmm. library? And it's okay to pull. I remember when I first used SQLite-net, it was just a file. I think we've talked about yeah. this. Is like the NuGet package was a file. And that was nice because the source code was in my app. And then I could modify it and tweak it. But of course, if you updated yep. it, it would override <laughs> my changes. Um, so that's a problem. <laughs> Yeah, so I was clearly in the, that's how open source should work. Like, I was so into the you should fork it model that I didn't even make you fork it. I just gave you the code. You know, like, here, you deal with this. Because I really did believe that. I thought that my code was like a great starting point (laughs) for a connection to a database. What took me a long time, actually, to understand was people were looking at this more as a black box where they wanted me to implement every feature. Whereas I was like, I gave you the source code, you put it in, you know, no big deal. (laughs) but that was that was just learning expectations and how a project should work well i think there's no wrong or right answer frank that's what i'm going with you know i i was honestly just looking to talk out my guilt here (laughs) and i think we we succeeded because i i'm i'm hard in the hard in the camp that copy and pasting once is just fine. The moment I try to move it onto another project, that's when I have to start forking, 
submit an issue, submit a PR. But for now, I think the copy and paste is fine. So I feel better. Thank you, James. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, it's actually really funny because we've been asking for listener feedback. And I swear, I didn't actually see this before we picked the topic, but it's actually really timely um, to this episode based on literally the conversation of nougat <laughs> packages and packaging stuff up. Uh, oh, Johnny boy. wrote in, uh, and I want to read you this email because you're going to laugh about this. So Johnny says, thanks for the podcast. He loves the .NET stuff every week. He loves the ARAI. I mean, we did it for 18 weeks in a row. Um, <laughs> and he had a question and he said it may be a topic, which almost is, is relevant, um, but it's a good one for, for just a, a follow up, which is how many NuGet packages should I include in my project? <laughs> oh my god! And and he says, I know there's no universal answer to this question, but oh, is there it a is, good actually. I- oh, okay, <laughs> is it a good idea to add a package for just uh, a thing like customized controls? I usually prefer to build things from scratch, but right now I'm involved in a startup where time and deadlines are important. Should I reinvent the wheel? I've added about seven packages just for controls and UI, every single one with dependencies. Right now, I have a project with about 45 nougats in it. What's your opinion <laughs> on that? <laughs> Me first, or you? Um, well, I'll, I'll go first because I'm right. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Well, the correct answer here is obviously 163. Obviously. Because <laughs> that's the number of packages it takes to actually get a .NET standard installation working. It's just all hidden behind you, so you can't tell. Um, but on a more serious note, I am 100% in the camp that you should not reinvent the wheel. It's a complete joke for anyone who knows me because I am constantly reinventing the wheel. I love it. But that's because I'm making artisanal software over here and I'm allowed to. <laughs> but I, I really do yell at myself every single time I do. And I really do weigh the pros and cons. And I would say if you are act- under actual deadlines and not, not making artisanal software, then yeah, reuse everything you possibly can. Reuse every nougat you can find until, you know, you get some kind of conflict or something, then maybe back off. But yeah, use everything. Yeah, I think, think that there there's two sides to the story. Um, I'm all about the nougats. I'm all about the nuggets. I'm all about the packages. <laughs> I'm all about the DLLs. Um, and, and I think on Android, you almost don't have a, you don't have a choice, especially when it comes to the Android support libraries or Google Play services. Like those all just get ingested into your apps and you can't really do any of that. Now, I will say though, the question comes down to maybe some performance implications, maybe around Xamarin forms and loading assemblies and reflecting on those assemblies. Okay. Yeah. So I could see that, especially in Android, where you're like, oh, I have all these libraries and doing all these things. And it's annoying that I have all these libraries to do one little thing. I have all these namespaces that I have to worry about. So now my uh, XAML has like 18 namespaces because every assembly is different. (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah, this is a problem. And but you know what? Those are so much smaller than maintaining a source code base. But I'm sorry to interrupt. (laughs) This is also true. It is... If you are going to use, I think it comes back to literally this package, right? Should you, it comes back to, should you copy and paste and include it in your assembly or should you not? And I think the question is, do all those seven UI controls, like, do you want to maintain those? And are they big? Are they small? Because, and they, do they do exactly, like, does that package do exactly what you want it to do? And if so, then use it. If it doesn't, then take the source code and copy pasta it and get get the job done that way. Um, yeah, why reinvent I the see. wheel if someone already did all the customization for it? I honestly go into every single new app. I go into NuGet and I type in James Montemagno. 
And from that, I install usually my connectivity plugin, usually my settings plugin, usually MVVM helpers, um, and whatever other plugins I may use um, that I've personally created. And I have a few other ones I use user. Like these are just file new template. This is just stuff I do because I'm not going to reinvent opening a dialog box. I'm not going to reinvent connectivity. Um, But if you run into a situation where it doesn't do what you want, I think it's okay to uninstall that NuGet if you need to get stuff done and do literally what Frank just did, copy and paste that code into your app. That's okay too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't see that as any different. I, I see that as just a different way to consume the library. I think you're still consuming the NuGet at that point. Yeah, yeah so it's true. just the technical difference. And I did forget about that little performance thing with Xamarin Forms. For those who don't know, when your app is first starting up, Xamarin Forms scans every assembly looking for... Um, renderers and controls and fun things to do fun things with and unfortunately that just takes time yeah wish they kind of could fix that but <laughs> I, I believe <laughs> right they now are, that's what it does <laughs> yeah i believe they're going to you know on for dotnet native on uwp you actually mm-hmm. have to tell xamarin forms what assemblies to make sure it doesn't link yeah. out and use and investigate uh, so yeah. i'd assume that they could introduce something like that cross-platform and say hey like here's mm-hmm. where all of the uh, here's all of the NuGets or all the DLLs that you should care about to go investigate. And maybe that's an opt-in feature. Like by default, it does everything else. I'll tell you a list because then it doesn't matter. You can install all the NuGets that do nothing with Xamarin Forms and it's not going to care about it. But right now it needs to know, right? It needs to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's my assumption, but I'm fine with Nuggets. I will say I was, (laughs) I get a little upset with the .NET standard stuff. I think .NET standard 2.0 fixes some of the, all the system stuff Uh, that brings in. The tools tooling. are just so bad. Yeah. I mean, anyone who's seen a uh, library is not packaged in a very particular way. What happens is those hundred, hundred plus nuggets get downloaded into your project and it's terrible. And they're all, and, they're not even DLLs, right? They're actually just no. sh- nothing. They're just nuggets. <laughs> yeah. They're underscore dot underscore is the file inside that nuget. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's just, annoying, I just did all that yeah. web. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm, we keep saying it. We've been doing in this show for how long but hopefully it's all just growing pains i did notice that like even the most uh latest visual studio for mac fixed a lot of little bugs like that yeah hey when you got a crush code you got a crush code and that's what the nuggets are for that's why they're out there right yeah so yep and copy and paste those things away when you need to change that one stupid thing that they hard coded (laughs) exactly yeah There you go. All right. Well, that was fun. Thanks for letting me talk through that. Absolutely, Frank. You can come and talk any single time. And I will say next week, we need more topics. Next week is episode 70, which is our lightning town. Oh, lightning boy. Round. Yes. Okay. So go to merge. To harass Twitter. <laughs> yes. Go to mergeconflict.fm. Let, l- write in and say, what do you want us to talk about? Because we cover six topics, five minutes each. And we want to hear from you what you want to hear. And we have some backlog items. But we would love to hear from you what you want us to cover on next week's Merge Conflict. The more so, ridiculous, the better. Yeah, exactly. Anything. It, it doesn't just have to be code. Well, I think that's about it for this week's Merge Conflict. Until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.